Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I am so excited about today's guest. From the get-go, she's carved a fantastic career for herself as an artist, producer, songwriter, Her music blew up online when she was a teenager and she's produced three stunning albums where she's served painstaking heartbreak ballads, self-love anthems and end-of-the-night disco bangers as well. And earlier this year, she dropped her third album, Cautionary Tales of Youth. Really excited to have you on today's podcast and big hello, Lapsley. Oh, thank you, Jaguar. Hello. And Katie. Was it this year (laughs) that you did the album or was it last year? Yeah, it was at the start of this year. It was, okay. Yeah, yeah. I feel like so much has happened this year, I don't even know, but... No, I know. it's go- time, time is going very fast mm-hmm. indeed. It's funny because I spent most of last year in South Africa making the record. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, love to hear, I'd love to hear more about that. You, was that what inspired like the whole album? Yeah, I mean, originally it started with an ex. Um, ah. So over lockdown, I went over there for Christmas. And then we were kind of like, not trapped there, but it was quite difficult to get back and we mm. decided to stay. And so I was like, right, if I'm here, I'm going to contact loads of creatives I was with Universal at the time for publishing and we arranged a writing camp in Johannesburg with loads of artists and producers, um, which is where I met Msaki, who's like a, a massive artist out there mm. uh, who works with Diplo and and that whole crew. Um, and she ended up featuring on the album. And I just went went back and back like to, f- yeah, and created an album and also like lifelong friendships. Yeah. Oh my God. Mad. It looks so beautiful in South Africa. Like, is it is it just... Stunning. Yeah, it's incredible. And I, I mean, for me, my favourite places are the city, really. Mm. Johannesburg is my favourite favorite place. And it's mad, like, going to, like, home nights in Tottenham to then, like, yeah. meeting some of the producers that actually made that stuff. And actually going to the places where this music came from and, like, the townships that, you, mm. know, it, you know, it was created in. So, yeah, that was, like, a proper introduction to like afro beats as well that's uh, it like yeah properly yeah, like proper, you're, you're there proper, proper you know afro I mean? beats yeah. wow and um your track dial 27 is that about what's that what is that about a phone like a serial area well, code? you know we're plus that, four four yeah so in south africa it's plus two seven got it so i just kind of wanted to write a pop song about all the naughty nights that we got up to yeah <laughs> okay okay yeah. well yeah welcome thank you how are you doing is my first question yeah, really good, really good. Um, there's a there's a lot of moving parts at the moment. Um, I'm working as a, a songwriter as well as the Lapsley Project yeah. and starting to form some ideas over like future business plans. And yeah, it's, uh, I think I'm definitely the happiest that I've been in a long time. That yeah. is 
Really nice. That's always hear. nice. Yeah. 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 Okay. Most important question. Yeah. How is little peanuts? Peanuts good. Yeah. I've actually. Um, if people don't know, who's Peanut? Yeah, Peanut is my dog. It's a sighthound. I don't know if you, you know, uh, Real Housewives of Clapton, the yeah. Instagram account. Oh, I love that. that Sometimes account. I feel like the person that runs that account is just spying on me. Because <laughs> I've lived in Clapton for years and I, I got Peanut when I was 18. And it just, the hiker gear, the, the nervous sighthound. Those the olives. On hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. orange By wine, natural orange wines. Wine. Yeah, yeah. Who do I think I am? <laughs> um, I mean, who do they think they are? Me. Well, are obviously. you wearing Salomons right now? Uh, I'm not, but oh, I'll tell you what, right? These are from TK Maxx. <laughs> They're obviously like trail hybrid shoes or whatever. Oh. Um, I feel really bad about this. This is maybe like, this, maybe this is my hot take. Mm -hmm. They didn't scan it in properly. I got them for free. Oh, yeah, love that. Wait, from where? TK Maxx. That's fine. Still yeah. from the man. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's not an independent shop oh, not yeah. not an no. independent hiking no, shop arrest me <laughs> not an independent i think they're like fake hiking boots <laughs> anyway yeah not quite bougie for solomon but uh. we've um we've just got to hold you here the police are on their way yeah um, yeah <laughs> the real reason i only realized when i was out the shop by the way and then i thought it was cringe to walk back in like giving myself the air. yeah nah, you're fine you're yeah. fine hey we won't tell anyone <laughs> um so i've been really excited to have you here? Because I've been a fan of yours for a long time. I remember when I heard your early staff station, Brownlow, that's actually one of my favourites still, oh. still slaps. Painter, like I feel like for me that takes me back to like, yeah, being at uni, I think. In fact, your, your music was always in our like come down from a night out playlist. 100%. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> I came up through BBC Introducing. Yeah. And obviously you do a lot of stuff with BBC Introducing, yeah. so it's like weird full circle it really <laughs> is um and yeah i feel like it was like the heydays of like soundcloud where you put your music up and got discovered and got signed and can you take us back to those early days of lapsley yeah i mean if i think about it like i first got a spotify account at 13 mm. and i was obsessed with soundcloud and youtube and i think just before that we, we were like downloading things on limewire and myspace but i'm like 26 so i was kind of like the the year above me was MySpace and found music through there. And then I was like, yeah, SoundCloud um, age, prime age. I feel like I was one of the last artists to kind of break through SoundCloud mm. and get a big record deal off the back of it, like around that time. It felt like it was the peak. Obviously it happens now, but that was kind of like the um, the medium to find new music. It was like me and Maura Massa and there was a few mm. others, all the same age um, oh yeah, Mora Massa, that's another island. Yeah. yeah. Nearby. He's from the... He's from he's Guernsey. From, he's from Guernsey, Guernsey in the yeah. Channel Islands. And you from Alderney? I'm from Alderney. Oh yeah, Alderney. We've, we've spoken... Yeah, because I've sailed to Alderney. Okay, we need yeah, to have yeah, a detour. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. An emergency detour it through. to oh. talk about the Channel Islands. Oh my God, so you've been to Alderney. Yeah, because I, I learned to sail with a charity. Oh um, where like... It was a reduced fee for us, but then we linked up with other kids our age. So I was like 13, 14, who didn't have the money to have the sailing lessons. So we kind of like helped pay for theirs. Mm. And then we were all, it was like 50-50 split. We were all just like learning to sail on tour ships together. Oh my God. And you went to Alderney. Across went to Alderney. the yeah, channel. Yeah, because we crossed the channel multiple wow. times. It's so long. We stopped off at Alderney. And dangerous. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's proper sailing. It wasn't like... The treacherous it wasn't, seas. It wasn't a cruise. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely not. And it's not like you're going to like, I don't know, like Barcelona. You're going to Alderney in the Channel, which is a yeah. 2,000 inhabit. Like there's only 2,000 people wow. in Alderney. It's three and a half miles long. Literally, like I would describe it beautiful to beach. beautiful beaches, but I would call it like a weird pirate village on a rock. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like that. Although it's Explains a lot more a lot beautiful. We, than a, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of it nice is, little flower pots and the houses oh, are sweet. My dad is like the main landscape gardener, so that might have been a Jack Bingham uh, flower pot oh my that God. you're talking about. I've seen his art. Mm. I him. appreciated his art. You I can tell fan of his work. Yeah, we love yeah. Jack Bingham. <laughs> um, oh, that's so core memory of that trip. <laughs> <laughs> those flower beds did you how long were you there does that win uh, I think we were there for like two days oh my god what time of year was summer this? yeah middle of the summer so what, it was hot. what year was was that 20 because I might have been there uh, 2009 2010 I was probably there yeah probably the on the beach oh those tourists those sailors yeah mm, watch out those pirates <laughs> <laughs> Like I was all parading around in a bikini. Okay, that was a huge detour, but it was essential. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about SoundCloud. SoundCloud. We're yeah, yeah. Um, so it's funny because at that age, I didn't know how music was made, and I didn't have any friends that were producers or artists. But I did have a computer, so and I had GarageBand, so I kind of felt a bit creative one day and just like. I had a single keyboard, which was like this old, uh, just like a basic bitch, a hundred pound keyboard that I'd asked like my dad for Christmas mm. or something that, and I didn't understand about MIDI. So all of the sounds in those early work, including like Station Painter, were all just recorded from the waves of like the sound on the, on the, yeah, on the keyboard, including the percussion. Oh so God. it's all just like percussion that I've just like played in. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's it's really, really basic. And it's funny because they're like my most Were successful they on, Did you make them song? on GarageBand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All on GarageBand. <gasps> First two EPs were GarageBand, yeah. Yeah, the Monday EP and then Station and Painter. Yeah. And I mixed them as well. I didn't even know what mixing was. I just, I was happy with the levels. And then my new manager at the time was like, we should probably master this. I was mm. like, okay. And then you that? just like <laughs> put it out. I just uploaded it on SoundCloud, mm. yeah. The stuff is it's still there. I've not yeah. changed anything. So I can go back right to the start of like Pick Me Up and like all of those old tracks. And it's so funny seeing like if I if I take away the fact that it's me, I'm like, that's a young person who's just like had no conditioning of how a song should sound or the length of it or mm. the rules regarding writing and production. And that's just been created. Um, so it's interesting when I work with like young people now you don't want to introduce those those said rules that you've absorbed over like 10 years onto them. You want to mm. see like, let them have that space and, and see what they create without the the pressure or the, yeah. And I guess now you must create music in a much more different way, right? Is it more, obviously it must, you still must be channeling and feeling what you're feeling and putting that down, but is it more like measured now? Because you probably know a lot, more now yeah I mean I'm definitely compared to a lot of other right the thing is I don't really produce on the same level anymore I'm quite like a quite like a minimalist still when it comes to it like 
all of my music isn't that thick I guess mm. <laughs> that's what we call it there's not many tracks within each of them um I've co-produced the last two albums really well the last three in a sense and what that's allowed me to do and the role of the co-producer hasn't necessarily been like a stereotypical relationship it's been very much driven by me and they've been driving if that makes sense mm. And I found that like I've been more creative if I'm walking around the space, if I'm jumping from instrument to instrument and actually sitting down and nerding out in a way that a lot of my producer friends absolutely love. I don't get a kick out of. And yet my role is still a producer role. So yeah, I joined together with a keyboard warrior and then together it creates, <laughs> you know, my production style. Mm. But yeah, I did everything on the 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 early stuff because I didn't know any different. <laughs> Wow. What's your favourite part of making music? Like, which stage do you enjoy the most? Production is the most fun. Mm. The writing for me is quite quickly, quite quick and very much, a, um, I go into quite like a meditative space. I guess like words are my thing. So I'm, I'm there like with my notebooks in front of me, like writing or like on my notes on my phone and just like writing a ton of lyric ideas um, or I, I draw mind maps as, as well and expand on like certain emotional subjects. But that's kind of, I don't get a kick out of that. That's just like a, like an interesting personal process that I go through. But yeah, defo just like adding a fat sub or like, mm. you know, adding different beats or like, yeah, just experimenting with the production is is the most fun. And then obviously like listening back at the end of the day, like bouncing the session and then jumping on the tube and listening out on, mm. on the headphones. Oh, and just yeah. Being like, Yours! <laughs> That's, yeah. I get, I can't believe that at the end of every day, I pretty much get to do that. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, we didn't have this this morning, mm, you know? You've actually made Yeah, something. yeah, yeah. That's sick. Um, I want to keep it like early at the start just for a moment. And I'd love to hear like when you fell in love with electronic music. Oh, so I think my love for music started with electronic music mm. um I was quite a wild teenager um well I was I was good at school and I, I loved like academic stuff but my I had like this this second life and I used to like yeah sneak out the house and go into Liverpool and go to raves and I looked a lot older than I was I say that now I'm thinking there was some <laughs> dodgy doorman but like I was going out to clubs from like 14 to oh, go wow. and see. Yeah. Um, Do you have a fake ID or did you just get in? No, I just got in. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jealous. And then there was amazing nights, like obviously like Circus had just started, Jibuku, mm. um, Wax on Kitchen uh, Kitchen Street, 26 Kitchen yeah. Street. Um, I used to help run um, a disco night called Polka. Um, used to like sell tickets for it and stuff. And um, that's, Yeah being blasted at 14, 15 with incredible disco selections, mm. like has definitely left an imprint as like we talk about the rest of my career. But um, yeah, I was just in love with the, with the Liverpool scene. And at that point it was quite underground, like the Baltic Triangle, which is like the area of Liverpool yeah. where like a lot of these places, the, the venues are, it was very, um, <laughs> there, there's very minimal work done to the to the massive warehouses to turn it into a venue. Uh, half of them have been knocked down for for 
housing nowadays. So I felt like we were in, uh, yeah, the prime of 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 that. Um, yeah, it was a moment in time for mm. electronic music in Liverpool. Um, Are yeah. you still a raver now? I'm not gonna lie, like. <laughs> I get, I'm tired, right? <laughs> and I don't, so as I was texting you yesterday, I was like, if I, I try and go to things that finish early. Yeah. And what, what I mean early, I mean like two o'clock, not six, 2 a.m., not 6 a.m. Um, I used to have, I used to go to like way more like smaller nights, like out in Tottenham and mm. stuff. I used to be on it on Resident Advisor and on Facebook groups. Um, but since COVID, like it's been difficult because a lot of those groups have like fallen apart. A lot of the venues have been turned into things. I'm slightly out of the loop. Mm. Um, so the, that's kind of like a wish this year to get back on it. Okay. Um, nice. New Year's resolution. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I was so on it before yeah. before lockdown. Um, so it'd be sad to, yeah, let go of that part of my life. Cause, Do you mostly yeah. go to like <laughs> disco nights still or... or other... I think if I'm going with mates, that's probably yeah. something I find super easy. Mm. I love, I love techno. Yeah. Um, but I'm not. I don't take drugs anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I I I struggle with the four to six a.m. slot really. Oh, babe. Yeah. I, I love uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I like three. I'm like leave it to the young people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it depends how much energy I have, but like, yeah, I'm here for earlier nights and festivals mm, yeah, yeah me too yeah. me too same page um we've spoken a lot about you like kind of developing as an artist but as an individual right because I feel yeah I feel like we're like similar age I feel like as I've like been a fan of yours for a long time and like you've shared a lot online and obviously through your music and a lot of evolving growing as a woman and I'd love to dive into your journey of like your growth since that teenager who sang Station to the Lapsley in the studio today. <laughs> yeah. I um, had no idea what I was doing. I just didn't want it to fail. Um, and so I was given, there was a lot, a lot of, there was a lot of um, the opportunity that I had, I was very lucky to get. And there's so many musicians that should have got it. And I just happened to be, that's where the element of luck comes in. It's like, the opportunities landed on my doorstep at the right time and I took it mm. and it lifted me from Liverpool and I landed in London and it was a lot of years of those years between let's say like 18 and 21 where you're usually in uni like finding yourself out finding who you are what you like what your sexuality is like all of those things I kind of did through the the eyes of a label and a team that was a lot older than me that I looked up to for support um, and obviously didn't get, obviously that's a very uh, unhealthy thing to, you know, to, to put all that expectation on them to give you all those things. But I didn't know anything different. Um, and I felt like I didn't want to... I didn't want to have thrown the opportunity to go to uni away. So I did everything I could to um, fulfill my artistic needs. Um, but I think what I didn't realise at the time was that there was a whole lot of like personal work that needed to go, not just investing in me as an artist, mm -hmm. in, like my own investment. So 
I was working out who I was in the studio, but it was very chaotic working out who I was outside of that. And I think there was moments where those two things clashed and didn't align. And that's when I felt, yeah, it was like quite dark times um, in terms of like a bit of an identity crisis. Um, And there was quite a lot of like, yeah, like mental health issues and had to take a year out, lived in Manchester. Did you? Yeah, burnt out on tour. Um, Wow. So it was a roller coaster of adventures, but I cannot fault the creative journey that I had. And in hindsight, yeah, there should have been way more holistic support around um, for any young person who goes Mm. into such a big deal at that age. So that could have come from many places, whether it's like a charity, management, the label, like family, friends. But it's a whole new thing that none of my friends or family knew how to support me because they had no idea what this very strange job that I'd just gone into was. Um, And similarly, it's not... It's arguably, well, I think it arguably is, but not the role of a label to bring up a teenager, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like if you're if you're making money out of yo- like young people, I do actually feel like there should there should be a level of responsibility and a bit of a duty yeah. of care. Like if if that's what you're doing, I I think that's yeah yeah. yeah. I think across the board, there needs to be way more, um, almost like training mm-hmm. um, with labels of how to deal with young people and mental health issues. And um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and actually like hot any, um, <laughs> any like um, any business should have some level of duty of care to their staff anyway. Like mm-hmm. I know you're not technically staff, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like if. But the the music industry yeah. is like the wild west. Yeah, because it's, it's <laughs> there's also like an argument of like you can kind of take advantage of a young person going down south because it might produce a more emotional music or a more malleable individual that you can mm. get to do what you want. Like we might as well accept. I'm not saying that that happened to me, but like where there is a spin on it that you can extract more money from an individual whether things are going well or things are going not well um it's not the most ethical industry as (laughs) that is a real yeah yeah. it's not the most ethical industry um there's a lot of individuals that mean well but i don't think there's a collective accountability that's often missing and it's funny because like my mum's my business manager and she's a lawyer and she like has come from obviously a different kind of law and like looks through my contracts and she's just like I can't believe these are, these are some of the worst contracts I've <gasps> ever seen. I was like, oh, that's interesting because this this is one of the best contracts within the industry. Yeah. You know, I'm in a good place. It's very cowboy and it's been the same. It's been quite, yeah, there's been very slow movements towards like ethical changes, <laughs> like contractually and stuff, but like they get away with it. Um, and I think the industry makes us feel like we need them and the truth is we do. And so... They're taking advantage of that, you know. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's a really difficult one. I think it's also your experience as someone who was signed like to a big label when you were really young, um, released two albums with them, and then did a distribution deal. Yeah, your last album, and yeah. now independent. Now you're doing your songwriting, you're doing loads of stuff now. But like, how that kind of difference between, yeah, being like in the kind of major I guess like big label big indie label world and independent like what are the how have you found 
I miss uh, the one of the best parts about being with Excel is the creative guidance and the investment in the the visuals in mm. the, in the quality of the mixing and the mastering. I definitely maybe less so in the first album, but f- in my second album felt um, like I was driving the creative for it, which is empowering. And a lot of people who have experiences with labels, that's often not the case. And it's often like driven by the A&R, driven by, you know, the powers that be. Um, so I felt very autonomous in my existence as a, as a, as an artist within Excel, which is, the greatest thing I could take from from that, yeah. Nice. So yeah, so to go on to the difference between like now, yeah, from having that very like comprehensive contract and being signed to a label to now um, being in a distribution with label services where you pick and choose what you take from the distributor, believe, and then you get other things externally such as like PR or radio plugger mm. or whatever. These are... Google it if you're listening and you don't know what these <laughs> terms are um, because they're big words, but actually very simple meanings. Yeah. Another thing that this industry is great at, <laughs> alienating people. Oh, good, yeah. But, but I do think it's a really exciting time to be like an independent artist because also on the flip side, there's also so many tools at your disposal, like social media, like so many artists that I know or friends with, whatever, like they do literally do everything themselves. They're literally the epitome of DIY and like, some people can get incredible success and autonomy by doing it not with a major, which I think is really refreshing and exciting right now. Yeah. And the thing is, young people could always do that. Yeah. Um, and now it's interesting because a lot of the major labels are like trying to take the social media, the 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 plan and the drive like from the creatives themselves. Mm. Um, because ultimately that generation is like Gen Z are way better on social media than someone who's been in the social media role for 10 years at the label because it's changed so much. Um, So it's nice to see, yeah, young people driving that, especially with social media. Um, It is hard to be independent because you need cash. And so what you actually find is a lot of independent artists um, are either from London or come from a privileged background. So although it's like it's amazing that it's possible. It's also quite, uh, it's not inclu- It's not an inclusive mm. um, direction to go in. And I think the only reason that I can be more independent is because I built up money in the bank from, you know, my, from years in the industry of which I had that financial cushion when I first went into the industry. Um, I had that creative scrutiny from that early age. Like I am in awe of the people who do it independent mm. off the back. Um, it's so impressive yeah and I sometimes don't know how they do it yeah so, big love yeah. to all the independent <laughs> artists honestly we love you um, when in those like when you did have like the major label and everything like how did you deal with the pressure because I feel like this is something I speak to a lot of artists about is like not just like internal pressure about, you know, making good music and it doing well, but then if you've got like teams of people and you have to recoup and at the end of the day, as music industry people like to say, it's a business and all this stuff, which is, I think, a horrible way of looking at it. But I do understand that these labels need to make money. But for you, yeah. how did you find it a lot having that pressure? Um, I think I was 
protected in a way that's quite a unique and rare in a rare way where um i i mean there is there is situations where i felt um there were some comments said about the way that i looked or the way or my size like things that are um were really hard to deal with and i've had to like unpick in therapy as i got older um that were very unhealthy like mm. from those times with that label and with you know the, the i felt like the world was very different pre covid to be fair um now you know if i go to a shoot um for a magazine or if i go to any photo shoot i the stylist will have my size clothes you know whereas back in the day there were like certain things that um i felt alienated about and i felt like I had to conform in order to be successful. But it was never musically. So this is what I mean. I always felt protected musically, okay. but I never felt like the way that I looked, the way that my personality contradicted the music that I made, um my size, the place that I came from. It's almost like people were like, mm, "I don't know how we can sell that." We can sell your music, but I don't know how we can sell that. And whether that was intentional or not, that was my, from what I experienced, that's how I felt. Um, And it's taken years to understand that that confidence has to be, come from me and I have to drive that. And I'd be like, this is how you sell it. And now it's a much more inclusive space. Like when I'm speaking to amazing PR agencies and amazing photographers and graphic designers and amazing project managers and like there's a very different conversation and language used and it's much more inclusive of different sizes and like it feels a bit archaic when I think about some of those big chats, you know, in those early days. But it wasn't um, even that long was... ago. That's what you're t- telling us. No, it's, I know. That's crazy. It was, yeah, yeah, I know. Um God, I'm yeah. sorry you had to go through that. It's okay. A lot of it is like actually the accumulation of small things mm. rather than like a, like a specific thing of someone like coming into a room and being like, your face is wrong and you need to lose weight. It's actually like very small comments like over years from from various people within the sphere. And it's strange because like there is a beauty standard that, we are up against in general and them calling that out was a harsh truth that should and a horrible thing to do if that made sense you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I feel like we should be constantly challenging it rather than just like complying and conforming Yeah, yeah and so a lot of the pain that I have from those early days is not what was said but what wasn't said and what wasn't challenged Mm. um I think in hindsight yeah um, an aside, but have you seen the Barbie movie? Yeah, I cried for that yeah. whole thing. Oh my God. I literally... Oh, have you seen it? It was yeah, really absolutely. emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. America Ferreira's speech towards the end. Oh yeah. my God. Did you get emotional? The whole way through. Yeah. I actually the, felt really sad afterwards. Yeah, really sad. The um, Billie Eilish song at the <gasps> end. They, they know oh, how to get you. Stab in the chest. <laughs> I couldn't cope. The whole thing. Yeah. I was sat next to my partner and they were just like, are you okay? And I'm like, I think this is unearthed quite a lot. 
I thought I'd walk away like skipping off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah. I was really Wearing miserable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, the patriarchy. Oh, another reminder. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Anyway. <laughs> I want to talk about your songwriting. Mm. Should we go there? Let's go there. Yeah. So obviously, apart from doing the Lapsy stuff, you've really like kind of stepped out as a songwriter. You've written tunes for Charlie XCX. Oh yeah. Ow, ow, ow. Yeah, ow. Come Jones. on. Jack yeah, yeah. Jones. That was my first platinum disc. I mean, congrats. What a banger. I want to put it in the bathroom, but at the moment, it's as soon as you open the door, you can see it. Uh, well, that's, I mean, like, as you nice. should, it's just a reminder. Yeah, the porch. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just hang it outside yeah. the front door. <laughs> um, yeah, tell us about some of the, the stuff you've been writing, uh, who you've been working with as a writer. Yeah, I mean, it kind of started during lockdown. Um, and I remember saying to my publishers, so I was like, I really want to be a writer. And they're mm. like, yeah, yeah, every every artist says that, you know, we'll put you through the works. Um, and I basically said yes to every single thing that was flung my way. I also reached out and created my own sessions. Um, and in the background of like all of this, like all of the lapsy stuff, I was like really plugging away and working towards being recognized as a writer separate from lapsy. And so I mean, I say separate because I guess there's an assumption that like the kind of music that I'd want to write is within the same genre or the same style. And the truth is Lapsley is like a very like specific, it's my little kid mm. and how I want to express myself in that way. But the music that I listen to and the the parties that I go to and, you know, and the people that I want to work with is, yeah, way more varied. Um, so I made sure like over the past few years that I was working with sessions and planting seeds across all of the genres. So not just the dance world, although I have, 
yeah, I'd say like half the stuff I do at the moment is like more across the electronic dance world. Um, so yeah, there's a mixture of like going in with the artists. So recently I've been working with Paloma Faith. Um, and then also I went into the session with Jax Jones and Joel Corey, which the Out Out song mm. um, came out of. Um, and also like Clean Bandit writing camps, like a lot of like big pop stuff, yeah. um, which has been amazing. Um, so it's funny because all of that work that I've been doing, I can't talk about it because a lot of it is coming out within the next two years. So if we have this chat next year, you'll be like, oh, you did this, this, mm -hmm. this and this. But it's almost like the last three years has been setting myself up for the next few years because it takes a while to like have a bank of songs. And it takes a while for artists, big artists to release albums and for you to get the cut. And mm. sometimes there's some near misses. You think it's going to be on an album, then it gets dropped you know, in my head, I'm like, unless I can see it on Spotify, you know, it's not. If um, if that does happen, yeah. are you then free to take that song to another artist? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because um, you hear about that happening with some of the big songs, don't you? Like, oh, Toxic was actually going to be, I don't know if Toxic, but like, this song was actually mm. going to be sung by someone else. And then... Yeah, all the time. Yeah. All the time. And like, I recently went on a writing trip to Stockholm in Sweden um, work with a loads of producers and we basically wrote like a bank of songs to be put out for pitch so what that means is like you get from your publishers um, and I'm with Sony now and Young a list of like oh Dualip is looking for a song in this style or like Flo's looking for a song in this style all of the artists are mm. looking for certain genres certain ideas um, and you just write to that pitch uh, and then fling them out to the management companies and then wait and see God. and you can fling them out to multiple so you can send one song to Calvin Harris team you can send another song to this and it sounds exciting but as I said like unless you get uh, feedback and then coming back saying that they're taking with it it's often like a big waiting game mm. yeah do you kind of just like do the session and then just leave and like try and forget about it and be like well that happened and then Otherwise, you're just like, oh, that was amazing. What if, what if, what if? But then, honestly, that trip to Stockholm and the producers that I work with, mm. I was doing like three, four songs a day, oh bashing God. them out um, and sending them out. Um, and it was so productive. I was so happy. I loved the people that I was working with. And we got really good feedback from like a lot of the labels and the management companies in the States. So a lot of the stuff we were sending to was like, yeah, artists mm. in America. Um, because... Yeah, there's like a weird link between Stockholm, Sweden and the West Coast. <laughs> it's kind of like a weird shortcut <laughs> to getting songs um, taken over there. So, yeah. We have spoken about this quite a lot. We spoke about it with Grimes and with Pretty Girl, but I think it's kind of relevant here as well. What do you think about AI, like with songwriting? Are you like worried about that or do you think it will never replace? What What do you think? I think um, AI, when it comes to melodies and music... I feel is an interesting route to go down. I think when you attach it to um, to words and lyrics, I think there's something so sacred about the about humans writing lyrics and that being a translation of an experience, and often how how it accidentally comes out and the fumble of how you explain something and the phrases that come to mind when you when you write these lyrics are what give it that are what make it make it special and i don't think that there is 
any formula that will be able to recreate that. And I don't think I'd want that. Its purpose is to, the whole purpose is to relay a human experience. And so it kind of defeats the the point to have it come from something else. But yeah, but then I, it's funny because loads of people have asked me like, oh, within writing, like what do you put at the top? And for me, it's lyrics mm. and then it's the top line. But for a lot of people and also a lot of writers that I work with and top liners, it's top line then lyrics. And so it's funny because I'm now being called into spaces and working on people's albums where they're like, oh, we're getting Holly in for the lyrics. <laughs> like, you know, because we want a legit story or we want to look at the storyline of the whole album, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think there should be. Yeah, I would prefer a limit for on, on AI for lyrics. Yeah. yeah, I guess we don't know. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. It's probably already happening. Literally. Let's let's see, shall we? Um, and as you as a songwriter and top liner, like you've also, you've worked with a lot of great people. Like you've worked with Barry Can't Swim. Yeah. And you feature well, you don't your voice features on women, yeah, but it's not yeah, yeah. featuring Lapsley. Yeah. Um and Casey Lights as well with Better yeah, Times. I love Casey Lights. Scotland's finest. Scotland's oh, is, oh In yeah. fact, so is Barry. Oh yeah. I can't swim. They're both Scotland's finest. I mean the Scots at the moment are just yeah. incredible. They're killing it. Um, yeah, my mum's size from Scotland. Coincidence? Okay. I think not. Okay. Yeah. It all makes sense now. <laughs> so what what makes you kind of decide whether you wanna like if like for example, Barry can't swim, your voice is on it, but you're not is not featuring you, but Casey Lights, you are featured on it. Yeah. So a lot of these so Casey Lights, we had quite a few sessions. He was visiting from Glasgow and my publisher was like, Hey, like, do you wanna do a session with him? I'm like, Yeah, sick. Mm. Like I've seen Casey Lights work like bubble through like over the years and like I think my brother has also gone see him play. So I was like, Yeah, this sounds this sounds fun. Um and we just hit it off like a house on fire, and that was uh, one of the one of the first songs that we wrote, really. Um, and he ended up ended up putting it out. And then I was at this kind of crossroads of like, do I? Because a lot of the time I'll write for people, and then they'll get another singer mm. to sing it because it's not lapsy; it's just Holly writing. But occasionally, like. If it's if it kind of aligns with lapsy stuff, and also you know because my heart's in disco, like I can't really resist. So that's how better times she came together. Can't resist. Really. Yeah, I can't resist. It was so <laughs> hard to resist the Barry Can't Swim one. That's so funny how that one came. Mm. I was already in the studio at Sony, just like, oh, I have this like new job where like people send me stuff to fix. What? Um, so I just like they're like, oh, we don't like this this bit. Can you just like rewrite this section? Or oh my god, I actually. Just then I thought you meant like they'll give you like fix this microphone microphone, and then you're there with your screwdriver. (laughs) But songs. Yeah, yeah, you can't like fix the songs. (laughs) And um, they already had a top line. So Barry Conswim sent me an instrumental. They already had a top line for it. I can't remember. Either they weren't sure it was a sample or there was someone else. Mm. Um, And they were like, shit, we want to release it. Um, we've not really got that much time. Is there any chance you could have a crack at it? And I was like, yeah, send it through. Do not send me the version with the existing thing that you want to get rid of. That's another thing, especially when it comes to like, if you end up getting sued, like you don't want to be in the same headspace as like the thing you're trying not to to do, not to copy, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I sent it back with the top line within an hour. And the only, th- the only point pointer I had was like, um, it should really sound like an old sample. So in my head, I was like, okay, um, 
I'm going to talk about some big grandiose things to do with like God and light and like, mm. you know, some big things like in the 90s, like they always talked about a bit like faithless, like, you know, just yeah, um, just big concepts that weren't cringe back then <laughs> um, and sent it off. And immediately he was like, fucking love it. Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, do you want to feature? I was like, oh. I literally just accepted the Casey Lights one. Mm. They're coming out around similar times. And I think I'd probably prioritise featuring on a disco track for the Lapsley stuff. But I managed to go for BBC um, to Maidavale and oh, yeah. perform it. Yeah, with Barry Can't wow. Swim live. How um, was that? Amazing. amazing. It's so funny because the team there are like, oh, you're back. Because I was like, <laughs> I was there like, you know, a few months earlier with like Oliver Sim singing and then with my own stuff. So... Can't get rid of me. Great. <laughs> right. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're both amazing tunes. Um, so I want to go here next because we did an episode about yeah. vocalists in electronic music in series one. We had Becky Hill, Rowetta and Angie Brown on. Oh, all icons. Um, and a really interesting one, like Angie... Back then, she was still trying to get royalties that she features on. I'm gonna get you, baby. I'm gonna get you. Yes, I am. There you go. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Um, sample that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And she was still trying to get, and that came out, I think it was either late 90s or early noughties, that tune. And that was 2021. We, we spoke to her. And it's, that's not a, um, a rare case. Like a lot of vocalists or songwriters don't get the credit or the feature credit or literally the royalties. Um, so I wanted to know what your experience was because also something we, we found in the Jaguar Foundation report that we put out last year was like, this was a huge disparity. And often yeah. as well, the producers, a lot of them are men and a lot of the vocalists are women as well. So there's like a lot of layers to this. Lots of layers. I talk about this a lot with my management and also with like other people in the community. I've got a lot to say about it. Um, they will get away with it if they can. So it is unfortunately your role to fight and challenge for your percentage before the contracts are signed. So I made sure now as a songwriter, my first thing was like, I need a separate manager and it needs to be someone who's just for, just, who just represents songwriters and producers. And I need someone who's like going to, yeah, play hard mm. and fight for, yeah, my work, like, that I deserve and it's mad like even when we were talking about this morning like how much what you think is incredibly simple and obvious how much like friction you get from the other side about defending something that you you've made yeah you rightly own <laughs> and like a lot of the issues actually come from producers and additional producers and people that end up producing the whole album trying to take a slot of the writer's money so the people who wrote it um, and so obviously there's two types of like property on a song you've got like you've got the publishing so you've got the writing but then you also have the master so the ownership of the master so producers get a fee and they also get points on the master and if you perform you also get a section of the master if you write that's a separate thing so you don't necessarily get points on the master if you write something but but often producers will not only take points on the master, not only take a fee, but they'll also try and take a large amount of the the um, publishing. Now, I don't ha I don't have a day rate, and I don't necessarily have a section of the master. Although I do, because I do a lot of ad prod, ad prod mm. request points on the master. 
um, they'll be trying to eat away and diminish my publishing section uh, as much as they can on every single thing. It is rare that um, it goes through and we have zero qualms and squabbles like on the on the emails about the percentage. That yeah. is insane. For example, there's a song, there's a, a big a song that I wrote, which is going to be the lead single on an album of a really big artist. And um, within, I wrote the I wrote the top line, the lyrics, and the piano. And so let's say about like ninety percent of the publishing. Um, we are pushing for fifty percent, and I'll probably settle on forty. And if they had it their way, it'd probably be me on twenty. Wow. And that is the reality. And I need to be thankful that I've even got 40. And there's, because the various producers that they'll get along the way will want a little slice. You know, the the singer will want a slice even if they didn't write. I mean, this time the singer did, yeah, change a few lyrics on one of the verses. So they will be entitled to a bit of the... There's also incentive then for them to just like change a line or two just to... Always, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get yeah. in on it. Oh, can we change yeah. that, that I mean, word there? I like to think mm. that they don't do that and yeah. they're looking at the best thing for the song. Um, I'm sure that does happen. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because they were like, oh, you need to get rid of some of your publishing to give to this, I don't know, third producer. Like, no, Take it from yours. Yeah, why do you have to get rid of it? Yeah, or like maybe the artist can like pay mm. a bigger fee for them, but you are not touching my but also, 40%, which, do you know what I mean? But like, also you're not getting paid as a songwriter because as you said, you don't have a day rate as a songwriter, but no, a lot of no, producers no, no. No. have day rates. No. So how does that work? Well, a lot of my songwriting peers come from money mm. and a lot of my songwriting peers like end up, a lot of them end up, yeah, going into production even if that wasn't their first Because there's money in it. Yeah, whereas like I've kind of gone from production to songwriting in terms of, and I, I'm not, I'm not in it for the, for the money, if that makes sense. And I prefer sitting down at the piano and, and working out the tune and spending my time doing that rather than driving at the helm, um, driving at the wheel or whatever, at the computer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to defend what you think is very obvious and fair. Um, yeah, it's 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 a hard career to have. But, you know, I could land that one Dua Lipa or that one David Guetta. And um, it may arguably be one of the worst songs that I've written that year, <laughs> but it will be successful. And that's kind of, mm. there is no kind of, it's not that the better you are as a songwriter, the more successful you are. It's more you know, over time you become a better songwriter, but like there is no reasoning over like which songs suddenly get chosen or, you know, it's, there's a lot of luck and chance and managers knowing each other and the right song landing in, in the the inbox of, of the label or the yeah. manager at the right time. Um, or yeah. literally writing something that goes viral on TikTok and then that's... There's so, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's easier than being an artist. Yeah. Well, being a songwriter. Yeah, yeah. The focus isn't on me or what you I look like. You feel less scrutinised. Or... I feel less scrutinised and I also feel now more empowered with the Lapsley stuff to not give a shit about what people think about me. And that is also a privileged position because I'm not working for commercial success with Lapsley because I've arguably already put the work in and so there's like yeah. a steady, you know over a million streams monthly or whatever it is like that's an amazing feat to have mm. but like I'm not 
my goals as Lapsley is to just have better and better music, but not necessarily increase the streams. Because I don't really care about that. And that's a great goal. Yeah. yeah and also, like, way. I'm earning money as a songwriter. Um, so, yeah, sell my soul that way. But you're not taking from my artist project. I think you know you've, I mean? you've yeah. got a good thing going on there, you know, because you can maintain your, like, artistic integrity and, like, do that now for you and, like, put yeah, things like out you're vibes. proud of. Yeah. yeah. Love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I'm a lot happier as a person because of it, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it helps with the music as well and makes that more like true to you and like better, means you make oh, better yeah. music as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I'm nearly, I basically got another album ready to go and another yeah. EP ready to go. Like, and I always have that ticking along in the background. And I think the biggest effect, to the biggest improvement to my music is actually like, I'm just a lot happier in life because I'm being respected within the workplace. And that's as a songwriter really um and so that has impacted my relationships has impacted you know the way that I approach the lapsy stuff I just like feel more solid day to day like the money is more solid because you get paid you know you have yeah fingers in many pies like seeds like you you, do you know what I mean it's like it's a it's very different to like oh my god this album needs to chart like and I need to make sure that I get my next advance Mm -hmm. and like it's a very different experience shifting the focus from the label to then let's say the publishing, which is kind of like, I have the strongest relationships with my publishers. That is my financial security and I serve them well. They ask for things of me. I give them exactly what they want and I get paid a good wage for it. Um, so I'm steezy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, well, we're coming towards the end. Oh, yeah. Which is sad. Oh. Could go on all day. I know. I could literally talk all day. <laughs> we'll have to do it again. <laughs> and you can tell us about all the songs that you've yeah. written. That'll be out next year. Um, so we, I guess, like, I was going to ask what the future of Lapsy is. You kind of touched on it. You've got more music. But I guess in general, the future, like, what, yeah. what are your plans? Oh, so um, Lapsy um, is kind of, it's definitely moving towards a more indie space um, in the future. And I'm definitely, I'm about to turn 27. I'm a bit of an angry woman in the world. Oh, yeah. There's like this kind of, so like maybe there's like a little punk vibe. So a lot of the new music is talking about, um, yeah, issues, feminist issues and the patriarchy and Love. sexuality and stuff like that. Um, in terms of the, in terms of the 10-year plan, I want to set up a company that kind of has like three sections. One of them is a record label. Another one is a publishing house, but not for music publishing, for poetry and writing and literature. That's a whole other side of me, which mm-hmm. like I've not really put on my social media, but I've been speaking to a um, yeah a lot of publishers about poetry. It makes sense as a lyricist. You know yeah. What I mean? Oh my God, you're yeah. so poetic in your songs. Like, and then another side sense. is like having another side, which is like culture and politics. So... I, uh, yeah, I go to a lot of talks, go to a lot of like literature festivals and get involved with loads of charities. And I'm like, how can I kind of like put that all in in one place? Um, and yeah, hopefully do something like you've done with the foundation and like, you know, investigate giving back mm. um, in, a, in a, with a business plan attached, you know, because it has to, it has to all make sense within the the framework of you know yeah, like well, who is Jaguar like who is Holly it's it makes like sense it's the same it kind of thing feeds in um, so they're going to be linked with each other so that's kind of like yeah the big plan um, but yeah it's going well music is yeah. still the driving force in my life and 
Yeah. I, I'm excited for you. Like, we've got a businesswoman in the house. Like, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, not the TNCs. Like, I'll, yeah, I'll get someone else in. Yeah. I yeah. want to do that. Yeah. Not that. Send those to your mum for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm more like drawing a big mind map, loads of stickers, <laughs> highlighters. Like, I can talk the talk, but like I'll definitely need a team to actually do the walk. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Um, We've got one more question. Yeah. Your utopia. Oh, my utopia. What is it? What does it look like? Um, I think it's quite like Barbie's world in the end, if anyone's seen the Barbie, which I see as equity, not equality. So I actually think it has to be slightly slammed in the direction pro women, minorities, and, um, yeah, genders apart from cis male vibes. So, yeah, I I think um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, and I think that we will naturally swing back into the patriarchal ways and therefore an equitable world where we we go further into the realms of the other way as needed. Barbie land. Barbie land. Barbie land. Barbie's dream house. Barbie's dream house. (laughs) Utopia Talks is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.